you hear that sound. That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But not just any bay, it's a Baywatch! Because this <laughs> is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And Morgan, we have, oh boy, quite a ringer <laughs> of an episode today. Yeah, it uh, continues a lot of themes from the past couple episodes, which is to say that the male characters are shitty, and I find some of the plot lines kind of bad. I mean, I'm not that surprised. <laughs> like, at this point, not that surprised, but it can only get better. Can it? It can get worse. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can. <laughs> we haven't even reached the lowest episode of the entire series of Baywatch, which I think is in season two or three. Uh, I think it's season two. Um, and apparently it's notably the worst, somehow worse than Armored Car. Um, Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Terry Irwin and William A. Schwartz and directed by Paul Schneider, who directed Home Court. Uh, I forgot to mention this episode is called Muddy Waters, and it originally aired February 2nd, 1990. Uh, there's not really any guest actors to speak of here. Um, they didn't really go on to do much other than soap operas. The people in this episode who you would think went on to do something are the ones who didn't. So, like... Spoilers, Hobie's teacher didn't really go on to do anything with her life. That seems really mean. Uh, I mean, I mean, in like in acting, she didn't really go on to do anything. The most notable one is the one who plays the owner of the um, the park. He was in a action detective drama uh, called L.A. Heat for two seasons. Uh, Better than that, everyone was just like on soap operas. So I think I've actually even heard of that show before. I don't know anything about it, but that name does sound familiar. It's a, I think 1999, I think it was TNT two season drama, but uh, he was a main supporting actor. Hmm. So, eh. yeah, he was fine in this episode, I guess. He's not the worst actor in this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's one actor, I think, who stands out as the worst more than anybody for me, but Let's get into the episode first. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we open on Craig, Mitch, and Eddie engaging in a bunch of different water sports. Uh, Court is driving a boat, towing a parasailer. When the rope breaks and she gets dunked into the water, Court saves her and they make out. And uh, Mitch and Craig are mad at Court. You saved us like four minutes in that description. <laughs> Yes, this scene goes on forever, as do a lot of scenes in this episode that I'm going to very briefly summarize, because very few of them go anywhere. Yep. Next, we go to Mitch's office, where Court and Mitch are talking about how Court's not following the rules, and now Mitch has to do extra work to make up for it. And Mitch says one of the few lines I bothered to write down in this episode, which is, Damn it, Court, you're a lifeguard. Gonna play the game, you live by the rules. <laughs> you think if Court was a real person, he would have voted for John McCain because he was a maverick? 
Probably. Probably. Also, Court just feels like a Republican. He, like That or he's a Gary Johnson voter. Ooh, yeah, probably. Oh, actually, actually, I feel like he's very much a, um, oh, God, who was the guy who came in third place against Bush? Uh, oh, my God. Oh, um, Morgan, you know who I'm talking about. No, I know exactly who you're talking about, and that's why it's driving me Bush bananas. Bush v. Clinton I- versus Ross Perot. He would have yes. voted for, he's a 100% a Ross Perot voter. He's just like, wow, oh, I, for sure. I see all these graphs that you have here. I don't understand them, but I like pictures. Uh, and that's why he <laughs> votes for Ross Perot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that makes sense. But Mitch tells Court that in exchange for Mitch bailing him out, uh, Court gets to go inspect a water park. Um, Actually, technically what happens is uh, Mitch hands Court a flyer and says, here's the favor you can do for me. And then we don't (laughs) find out what the flyer is or why they're going. Um, Yeah, I like to imagine that he was like, I need you to join the church for me. And then he was like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to a water park. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, technically, like Court and Mitch never actually talk at any point during the rest of this episode. So it could be that Court was just like, actually, fuck the main quest. We're doing side quests today, baby. I mean, that um, that's the way to play the Baywatch JRPG. Yeah. Which I oh, need. Man. I need that. Yeah. Now. It is uh, it is ninety five percent side mission and five percent story. (laughs) I mean, I'll say the uh, fan service would feel less out of place in a JRPG. Um, Uh, I agree. And also (laughs) we'd get like weird ass summons. So like court would be like, I summon World War Two era bomb and he throws his shoe at it and it just explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. And Eddie would be yeah, like, should, uh, like, I summon Oedipal Dream. And he's <laughs> he's a, he's, you know, he's our main magic caster. Uh, he 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 summons or he does like confusion based magic. Uh, so mm-hmm. Oedipal Dream, uh, Emasculation. Um, is this girl hitting on me? That's his like top tier <laughs> spell. <laughs> I want to see Craig's move set. Because I feel like that would be an interesting one where it's just him making like vaguely smart arguments at people until they just give up. Huh. Well, I mean, that's kind of it's kind of barred. But yeah, I feel like he's I feel like he's more of a cleric, you know? Yeah. Like a buffer, a buffer cleric. He's a paladin. But yeah. I guess he doesn't feel wholesome enough to me to be a pilot. <laughs> I feel like cleric's the right track, though. Like I could see him being like a like a multi-class. You know, he's sure. he's a cleric in one of the law domains, but he took a level or two of bard for the you know oratory experience. Now I hope you agree with me on this one. Craig is a rogue. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like just think about it. I think it makes sense for him. He he seems like the kind of guy who is be kind of like light on his feet and doesn't want anybody to notice him. But also he just comes up and just all of a sudden stick a deck, 
you know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like he also might have a level or two in Bard, though. Oh, absolutely. He has a level or two in Bard. I mean... Oh, man. Oh, I was going to say, I'm currently playing a Bard in the D&D campaign that I play in. And now I'm wondering if I should take a level or two of Rogue at some point. It uh, sounds like a, a good, good idea. <laughs> yeah. I can sneak attack people with my flute. It'll be great. You know what eventually needs to happen, though, is as we go on through the show, is we'll need to create a D&D Baywatch campaign. Ooh. Oh, man. Actually, now I desperately want to do like a one off. Yeah, oh, right. Man. Actually, I might. I'm this might be a thing that I do. I might design like a one shot adventure around Baywatch. It sounds amazing, especially as we get uh, go on through the show. We get more and more characters and more and more ideas of like what the show can encompass. You can create more one offs. Yeah, maybe I'll do one per season. Ooh, that's a what if we record our one off Baywatch? Oh, Ooh, I love this idea. Yeah, we'll have a couple guests on each season to play through a Bay- Baywatch one-shot adventure. Okay, so I don't know if we're going to keep that part in the podcast, but, <laughs> but like, yes, 100%, that should be, besides our... Yes, redacted. That should be our end-of-season thing, is our one-off D&D campaign. Yeah. No, I I genuinely love this now. Okay. Um, I will. Yeah. Oh, we will make that happen. Fantastic. This is going to be amazing. Yes. So as we mentioned before, Court is somehow going to end up at a water park, but he clearly mm-hmm. doesn't fully want to. So he goes back to the store that uh, was it Sam, I think it was owned. And I guess he has it yeah. now and he's begrudgingly lives in it. Uh, but he tells Eddie, Eddie come with me to this water park and he goes what and he said well just Thorpe already uh, Mitch was gonna make you go but I wouldn't leave my best bud Eddie to go alone so I volunteered to go with you and he's like well that's like rather nice of you so together they get to go um now this whole time by the way Mitch was covering for court uh by telling Captain Thorpe that he was researching Water parasailing recovery techniques for Mexican resort lifeguards. Uh, and then Court asks Mexican re- resort lifeguards, and Mitch says he expects the report later today. Uh, so we have no clue what this is about. Yeah, I I kind of loved the exchange between Court and Eddie. I thought it was very funny where he's like, listen, I'm doing this very selfless thing. And helping you do this thing that Mitch told you to do. And Eddie's just kind of like, I guess so. I guess that's what I'm doing. Well, Court, you're a great friend. I I know I hated you like two episodes ago, but man, you're like my best friend. Yeah. The the beginning of this episode uh, made me very hopeful for this episode. Um, And then this episode. Well, (laughs) You know who else is hopeful, though? Hobie, that Mitch can fix the lifeguard truck in time for Hobie's class to come take a field trip to learn about being lifeguards. Um, Mitch is trying to fix the truck, but it it's not working at first, and then it does. And Hobie is hoping that Mitch will take some kids out in the Baywatch helicopter and says, 
you said you would do it. And Mitch says, I said I wouldn't do it. And Hobie goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) How about the boat then? Um, Which I thought was very cute. And then uh, Hobie. Stop praising this episode if you're going to insult it later, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I want everyone else to go on the same roller coaster of an emotional (laughs) journey that I went on. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Hobie also tells Mitch uh, that he's sick of being so into QAnon and uh, doesn't (laughs) just want to watch the water anymore. Uh, Next up, Court and Eddie are at the water park and they are teaching the lifeguards how to save people. Um, One guy tries to save Eddie but does a bad job. And then another woman, Sarah, uh, is very excited to go save Eddie. Mm -hmm. Then uh, assaults him. And pretends that it was mouth to mouth. And yep, this is where I started to hate this episode. She somehow in a whole show about badly done CPR does the worst CPR we have seen out of any of the CPRs. But which I mean, she has what I she has what I have liked to call uh, the negative first kiss. Which is like, it's not your first kiss because it's way worse than that. Um, Mm -hmm. Like her mouth technically makes contact with Eddie's mouth. But instead of, you know, like trying to kiss him, she instead either tries to put some sort of like restrictive spell on his tongue or uh, (laughs) suction the tongue out. Uh, And it just doesn't really work. And then Eddie is like. Whoa, 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 wow. Uh, but not like he's impressed. He's just like, whoa, 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 wow, get off me. Uh, yeah. And during this scene, um, <laughs> they got to just this dude just staring <laughs> at them. I actually found this so funny. I tweeted it uh, on our on our um, on our Twitter feed. Just oh, this, nice. this guy just staring. There's a bunch of people all dressed up in their blue bait, like blue lifeguard outfits. He's just there looking like the freaking, um, like the crocodile hunter, uh, <laughs> with a bowl cut. And he's just like staring, like kissing, kissing is, the, <laughs> kissing is what's brought this world to doom. Um, and we have so many more of those kinds of scenes. Oh uh, God. But we also get to meet Tad and I hate that name. Uh, but mm-hmm. Tad also really doesn't look like a Tad to me. He looks like a Tony Del Vecchio, uh, <laughs> which I took from Backyard Baseball 2001. Uh, but I still think he looks like a Tony Del Vecchio. And he is the boyfriend, I think, of Sarah. And I he- don't think I don't think they're dating, but he's definitely interested in her. Like to a very large degree. It's like yes. past interested and more like it's my property. Um, mm-hmm. And he is upset about her kissing Eddie, but it's CPR. Uh, and she doesn't want to talk to Tad at all. And that's fair because there's only one man ever who was named Tad and was cool. Can you guess who that is? I can't think of a single one. That's right. Cause it's not a man. It's actually a ghost and it's Tad Ghostel, <laughs> brother of space ghosts. Uh, <laughs> he's the only cool Tad. Anyways, please continue. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. 
I'm glad you're still laughing. It's such a (laughs) stupid joke. I don't know why it was so funny to me. (laughs) There's like seven of those jokes in my notes for this episode, so get ready. Yes. Yeah, Tad is being uh, roughly as, or even more creepy to Sarah than Sarah just was to Eddie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we touched on it a little bit, but when she gives Eddie mouth-to-mouth or CPR or whatever... Like, it's just straight up her kissing him. Like, it's not even trying to be CPR. Well, it's uh, not even trying to be a kiss. It's very bad. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's how it was supposed to be played. I don't know. This this episode. It's also very weird. We should add, this episode is improved or made worse by the fact that Sarah just looks like alternate universe younger Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, I do see that a little bit now that you mention it. I think it's the hair a lot. I think it's the face. Maybe. And the hair. I I gotta rewatch it in higher quality, maybe. I'm not going to. I don't well, want to rewatch it. I can't tell women apart, uh, just like you. So I'm like, AOC, Sarah, same person. <laughs> um, But yeah, for his... Mad as I am about that scene, oh boy, is it about to get worse. fuck. So, I hate it so much. Yeah. Um, so, this is the introduction of the worst plot line. Yes. Yay! Well, um... Actually, second worst in my mind, but continue. What's, what's the worst one for you? It's the, the creepy dude and his whole... Oh, story. Yeah. Yeah. They're both bad. Um, <laughs> really bad. But this particular plot line is that Shawnee is Miss March in a calendar and Thorpe is super sexist and super mad about it. Um, mm-hmm. And Shawnee is trying to defend herself by saying that she never gave permission for the picture to be taken or used. Uh, and Thorpe doesn't care because she's ruining the professional image of lifeguards by being in her standard uniform on a calendar which he calls a cheesecake pinup which just is like mm-hmm. ugh, ugh, it's disgusting um yeah. like i sh- like I- i'm not surprised here because thorpe is a villain like we've already established throughout multiple sure. episodes thorpe is a villain um and he is doing another villain thing here but and like luckily Baywatch has had the insight to to portray him as losing in every venture, I feel like. And for everyone to be like, yeah. wow, you are outdated and wow, you do suck. Like in that mind, like it doesn't make it as bad for me because they're like, oh, he's so clearly obviously wrong. The difference being, I think, in Hollywood Riley 2020 show is in that this plot line would never happen. They would do something a lot. M- yes. I don't want to say tamer because that makes it sound like, oh, my God, they don't have the balls to do this or some, some shit like that. But it's just like they wouldn't outright do this and then say, but he's wrong. Um, it would just be like, everybody knows that. You don't even need to write that. Why not just write something better? But in 1990, exactly. they were like, let's write this shitty thing uh, and then show you why he's bad. Yeah, it's not great, but at least at least the result is okay. Yeah, that's one thing I'll say that I was actually pleasantly surprised by is that the show does actually not take his point of view like it never has. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. But this this felt like it could have gone his way in part because doesn't this mirror real life in a way where Erica Liniak was like a Playboy model and oh yeah, weren't the producers like super mad about that? Yeah, the producers were mad because they didn't want a Playboy model. And David Hassoff was like, she seems cool. I get along with her. Keep her on. And that's why she stayed on, apparently, because Hasselhoff is just like, she's a good actress. Keep her on. Yeah. No, and I think I think he made the right call. But it, it definitely, like, because I knew that it mirrored this real life situation, I was definitely worried that they were going to be like, here's our chance to show the world why we shouldn't have cast her. Uh, it's, but thankfully, they don't. Well, if you think about it, like, I, I hadn't even thought about that, which is kind of scary to me. But given where we know this show goes, that would be very ironic. Um, yes. Given just how many Playboy models end up on this show, you know, <laughs> it would be very ironic of them. It would. It would. But men have done much stranger and shittier things in the name of sexism. So True. wouldn't have been that surprising. Yep. Um, speaking of that. We get a lifeguard training montage now set to, at least in my version, whole lot of shaking going on as, in fact, a whole lot of shaking goes on um, with lots of slow-mo jiggle shots. <laughs> um, and Tad was too slow and now he's mad about it. Yep. So in my version, yes. we get an original song. Yes. Uh, and this song is the worst title we've had yet. It's called Getting Wet With You. <laughs> <laughs> and it is by Geodopolis. Now, a Google search of Geodopolis returns literally zero results. But wow. the Baywatch Remastered websites assures me that the name of the artist is Geodopolis. However, they have misspelled other artists' names before. On the music video title cards. So, I don't know. <laughs> now, this song it is wild. So before I we started this episode, I had Morgan listen to the 1991 Cramps cover of Bop Pills. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the cover of a 1956 Rockabilly song. Uh, partially because the 1956 song is good, but the 1991 Psychobilly version is fantastic. This song is kind of like that. It's just this... Super out of place rockabilly song. I encourage everybody to go on BaywatchRemasteredHD.com, look up this song. Um, you have to go to various artists, then click on that, and then scroll to this video. Oh my God, like this is wild. Um, <laughs> I want to read you the lyrics because these are, again, so wacky. I left out some of the whoa and ooze from it, um, but here we go. Everybody ready? Well, that water sure looks good to me. Right. Isn't this fun? Come on. Let's do this. Yeah, baby. Everybody ready? You might say that I'm insane, but I'm determined to play this game. Even if I look a little scared, I'm going to do this on a wing and a prayer. I got to go, 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 go. Won't somebody save me? <laughs> I'm splishing and splashing. I'm having a blast. Slipping and sliding. It's such a gas. Faster, oh. faster, at the speed of sound. I'm slipping and sliding with all my friends around. And there's <laughs> nothing in this world that I'd rather do than slipping and sliding and getting wet with you. 
Oh, oh no. Here I go again, just trying to impress my friends. I hope everything comes out all right. I'm going to close mm. my eyes and I'm going to hold on tight. I got to go, 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 go. Won't somebody save me? <laughs> I'm splishing and splashing. <laughs> this keeps going, by the way. Wow, that sounds bad. No, no, I'm going to, I got to finish this. It's, it's great. I'm splishing wow. and splashing. I'm having a blast. Slipping yeah. and sliding. It's such a gas. Faster, faster at the speed of sound. I'm slipping and sliding with all my friends around. And there's nothing in the world I'd rather do than slipping and sliding and getting wet with you. Slipping. Ooh, come on. Slipping and sliding. <laughs> slipping. I just want to get wet with you. I'm splishing and splashing. I'm having a blast. Slipping and sliding. It's such a gas. Faster, faster at the speed of sound. I'm slipping and sliding with all my friends around. And there's nothing in this world that I'd rather do than slipping and sliding and getting wet with you. Now, when I listen to this, my subtitles are actually a little wrong. So I had to go back and listen to this song multiple times to edit my subtitles and the time cards to make sure that they appeared right. So that I could have the right lyrics for all of you. So you're welcome. That was a nightmare. <laughs> the sacrifices you make for this podcast. It This song. Really amazing. It's not as bad as the country pop song. I think it was from like last week. But this song is just like something else. I What the fuck? Oh my God. Anyways. Um, but you, as you mentioned before... Tad does not make it. He was not fast enough. But mm-hmm. the creepy old guy is there. Now, we don't get the name of the creepy old guy until later. So the first thing I thought of uh, is uh, another reference, uh, which is that in Doctor Who, um, <laughs> when the fourth Doctor, <laughs> you're like, what, Michael? It, in Doctor <laughs> Who, when the fourth Doctor regenerates, now the fourth Doctor is the longest lasting doctor. He's the one that was on for like, in quote, seven series. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's on for quite a long time. Uh, They were like, man, how do we get rid of this fan favorite guy? Well, what if for the last series we have this like pasty white figure walk around and we're just going to call him the watcher. And he just like is there whenever the doctor does things. And they're like, well, that guy's fucking creepy as shit. And he like go away. And every time they try to make him go away, he just doesn't. So they're like, I guess I just got to deal with him. (laughs) So the doctor dies. He falls off like a giant water tower. And which is fitting for this episode. Yeah, I was going to say he falls off like a giant like water tower or maybe it's or maybe it's like a communications tower. He falls off a giant tower. That's the point. Mm-hmm. And he falls down and he's like dying. And the watcher comes up and they're like, oh, shit, get away. Um, and the watcher just like falls face forward into him, merges with him and then becomes Abba Doctor. As you may remember me describing previously, uh, <laughs> Abba Doctor, who looks like he should be at a prep school. So I keep on calling this guy in my notes the Watcher. Uh, and <laughs> that's just what I'm going to call him, even though I know his name is John Madden. Sorry, Joe Madden. Uh, it's funnier if it's John Madden. Uh, it is. But it's the Watcher. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. This man is a lot. Um, and also not very much. Um, right. As we'll later find out when he has a very long monologue. He's a paradox. Yeah, he sure is. Next up, uh, Mitch is getting his unit tuned up and washed. 
Uh, <laughs> that shouldn't be funny. From Hobie's teacher, because the field trip is going to be canceled. And Aww. originally, the way she phrased it, I thought it was because too many other parents also wanted to sponsor an on-the-job field trip. That's how she worded it. Okay, so it's just that that actually isn't true, and we learn the real reason later. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, Next, we have a scene. Whoa, whoa, are you forgetting the most important part about that scene? Oh, I must be. She tells him, it was good seeing you at the PTA meeting last week. Because she's trying to flirt with him, and he's Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, thanks, please go away. (laughs) Yeah, Mitch Mitch takes this field trip being canceled very personally. Um and I was surprised at just how much he took it personally. Yeah. Um, as we learned throughout this episode, lifeguards are the profession that the most people malign and think are bad people. <laughs> um and this is definitely true. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Next, we go back to the water park where there's some more training going on. Um, and then the watcher shows up and Thank you. yells at the lifeguards and Eddie and Craig that I have the I wrote it. I wrote it all down. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. What do you know about saving lives? Your red trunks and your whistle won't help. That won't keep them alive with all the drugs and the booze. Who knows what's going on in their heads? You hear me? If they want to die, they'll find a way. They'll get past you. They'll outsmart you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And then he just leaves. (laughs) It's It's so... Why? Why? It's so weird. It's shot super weirdly. It's terribly acted. Um, and it just feels so out of place and weird. He's the worst actor in this episode by far. Oh, like, yeah. They got this guy just like from some reject line. And like, I hate to say it, but it's just some of the worst line reading I've seen in this show. Yeah. It's so bad. No, I I genuinely think he may be the worst actor we've seen on this show so far. Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would agree. He he starts bad and then he has a long monologue that is atrocious. It's so um, bad that we'll get to later. But next we get a very long, tense, quote unquote, scene in the Ooh. bowels of the water park as a guy sabotages it. And I thought this was going to be Mr. Madden. I I wrote, I wonder if it's the watcher. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. This is another scene that goes on for a very long time, and yes. it's like slow, furtive camera movements and like cheesy, tense music while a guy inspects the water park and then leaves, and then another guy shows up who we only see from like the waist down, um, and he just like turns a wheel and smashes a thing of glass. Um, yeah, there's just readers there. Like they don't, they they just yeah. they're just gauges. They don't do yeah. anything other than give you readouts. Like, what is that going to do to the park? Exactly. And the one wheel he turned, like, just turn it back. Like it's a valve. It, I it goes both ways. I worked in plumbing for a little while, and let me just tell you, 
There is no reason that him turning that cannot be easily fixed with one dude coming back and turning it the other way. It does not take (laughs) two days, as the next scene will tell you. It takes literally 30 seconds or less. Yeah, the manager shows up with Eddie in court, and it turns out that turning that valve and smashing those two gauges uh, sabotaged their most popular ride. And the manager thinks that there's no possible way it could be sabotage. It must just be teens being vandals, because as everyone knows, what teens do for fun is go into the basement of water parks and turn a single valve. Well, we all, we all know that the hip thing for kids these days is to get gauged or to get gauges. <laughs> but by that, we didn't mean literally break glass and steal the gauges. Morgan, you have ruined me. I am now a pun guy. What is wrong with me? Oh, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see what other terrible joke forms I can get you to start making by the end of this podcast. Oh, God. I'm not going to resemble myself anymore. (laughs) Oh, man. Next up, we have a scene where Craig is on the phone trying to defend Shawnee. Uh, and Gina points out that whoever took this creep shot of her is a sexist fuck. A sleazy male chauvinist with a 20, 250 millimeter lens strapped around a sexist pig like neck. Yes. Exactly. Just mwah, just so good. It was very good. And then Craig's like, you sure you didn't sign a release? And Shawnee goes, well, I did sign a release, but it was for a guy who was doing his college course. Um And then Craig and Gina kind of both just like look at her like she's a child. Um, And it was very condescending. It was. Yes. Now we've got Garner, uh, who is making fun of court for investigating the sabotage of the water park. Um, Garner in this episode is so weird. Yeah, he's his character is just comedic foil this entire episode. It's so different yeah i i do not know what is going on with his character in this episode um but yeah him and uh court and garner have a whole conversation in the kitchen for a bit um and then eddie comes in and he's mad that the creep shots of shawnee are being posted everywhere which is a valid thing to be mad about Um, however court thinks that's stupid and that he should be allowed to ogle this creep shot of Shawnee um, because it's just a woman in a bikini. And then Eddie goes on a very long, very weird rant about how everyone knows what this picture really means. And when when guys see it, they're really just thinking of her naked. Um, and Court gives a really creepy smile. Yeah, he guilts them into feeling guilty, which is like, dude, you made this worse. Yeah. Also, like. He's such a trope of himself. He starts off the conversation with being like, anybody like seeing that girl like that? Um, Which I'm just like, dude, just like take it down like 20 notches, please, for the sake of the rest of us. And also don't overthink this. Just take them down and walk away. Yeah. Just don't make it a big deal. Um, But it's Eddie. So, of course, you know, he's. It's going to blow everything up. Um, He's a real Philly hothead. 
um, which is my favorite sandwich. <laughs> I was going to make some joke there about like Philly <laughs> cheesesteaks, but you know, I couldn't come up with anything fast enough. Um, but our next scene, ooh, it's very ominous. We have mm-hmm. we see an ominous man, and he ominously climbs this ominous water slide and ominously unscrews an ominous nut and bolt on the very <laughs> ominous water slide. And this ominous water slide makes ominous shaking noises. Ominous. Yep. It is uh, a scene that thinks it is very tense. I wonder if it's the Watcher. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe this episode is the precursor. To, I think it's Lagalopolis is the name of the episode where the fourth doctor dies. Maybe Mitch is the fifth doctor. Maybe Tad's the fifth doctor. Maybe Tad's the 14th doctor. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I do know, though? You know what I do what? know? Hobie's what? in trouble. Oh, boy, is he. He was fighting with another kid at school, and his teacher calls Mitch to tell Mitch what's going on. And now Hobie's grounded. Did you catch the name of who he fought with? I did not. Okay, well, uh, so his name is Jimmy Markowitz. uh, And he says he has a big mouth and a big way. Uh, Which, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What does that mean? Um, Now, remember that name. This is very, very, very important. Jimmy Markowitz. Remember All that. Right. Continue. All right. Please continue. Next up, we've got some more water park lifeguard training. Um, and they keep sending people down slides, and the yells that they ADR in are the funniest thing I've ever heard <laughs> because they are so <laughs> clearly not in the scene. Um, they're they're like Wilhelm screams. Yeah, yeah. Like legitimately, I was waiting for one of them to be the Wilhelm scream. It's very very funny uh, because what they're supposed to be doing is Eddie shows them how not to go down a water slide and then tells them now go down it the right way. And they're supposed to be having like fun screams, but no, these are very panicked. Like I'm going to die screams. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, not only is the like tonality of their screams inappropriate because it does sound like they are all in abject terror it also sounds like adr like it just sounds like someone standing next to you and going wow <laughs> thank you waluigi of, you know going down a water slide where like the sound made. right exactly <laughs> well, this episode would have been amazing with waluigi if I were better at video editing, I would edit every single water slide scream with the Waluigi noise and just release <laughs> those clips. I mean, that, <laughs> we could make that happen. Uh, yeah. Low quality, but we could make that happen. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Once I get done writing my Baywatch one-shot adventure, um, <laughs> I'll learn how to edit video. <laughs> I mean, it... D- this would be an amazing vodcast. Now, anyways, yeah. but w- w- the problem with the vodcast is that the episodes would be so much shorter than our actual podcast. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But what happens, Morgan? Well, as we as we briefly mentioned, a bunch of people are going down this slide. But you know which slide this is? 
why this is the slide that ominously had a bolt removed from it. How ominous. How ominous indeed. Every time we see someone go down the slide, we cut to that bolt missing and the section of slide shaking. But Eddie goes down it, no problem. And so Court sends another woman, I believe Andy, down the slide next, and it starts to break some more. And then next up is Sarah, our favorite person who assaulted Eddie earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, AOC. And Court, yeah, yeah. Um, and Court asks her any last words, and Ugh. she says, which, yeah, I mean, god damn, you want to talk about, like, obvious writing, holy shit. And her last words are, does Eddie have a girlfriend? And Court says, no comment, because everyone <laughs> in this show sucks and don't respect relationships. Yay! Nope. Except for Mitch. Except for Mitch, yeah. Um, but the slide finally breaks down as she's going down it. Um, and then Court and Eddie save her by... So, did you notice the weird, like... Not physics, but like, so Eddie's climbing up the slide to rescue her. Court's going down the slide to rescue her. But then somehow Court and Eddie are both on the same side. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. (laughs) I was very confused. Both Court and Eddie are on the like, so the slide, like, it's your standard water slide where it goes like straight for a little bit, then down the straight, then down. The slide splits during one of the like straight portions. Yeah, it's, it's fully bisected. There yeah, in the middle. Yeah. And she's like, you know, holding on to the edge of the part that uh, split and is like dangling over midair. And yeah, so Court starts from the top of the slide and Eddie starts from the bottom. Eddie gets up to her. Court, we see a shot of him coming down the slide. And then the next shot, we see Court and Eddie on the same side, which is further down the slide than where she is trying to rescue her. And to make it worse, they they also save her by pulling her up onto the side with the rushing water down it, which is like, how are you supposed to keep your balance on there? Uh, Yeah. You just have water rushing at you. How do you get out? Like, who saves you from this? You need to get to the other one because you need to get down the slide, not up the slide. Yeah. And it's. Oh, man. You can uh, you can really tell how much thought went into this episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Court and Eddie do save her. And uh, then we get some more shots of the park being normal just to reassure us that, in fact, no one cares. Next, Court and Eddie go to talk to Mr. Manager uh, and he pulls out a Polaroid of the Watcher. And it turns out that... Uh, Mr. Madden's son committed John suicide. Madden. John, John Madden's Madden. son committed suicide. <laughs> Don't make me make that joke right before the suicide part, okay? That's the worst time for me to make the John Madden joke. Morgan, come on. Now I, know, I feel bad. Sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, if I hadn't described the scene you wouldn't have made the joke so you know really it's my fault when you think about it it is Um, your fault i will blame you (laughs) um but yeah turns out turns out his son committed suicide in this water park um by jumping off one of the slides i couldn't tell if it was supposed to be this slide or it was one it was was at the top of this slide okay gotcha 
it would be kind of weird to have, you know, like 30 minutes of footage of this slide and everyone being on the slide and they're like, he killed himself. Where? You know, just like the bathroom. <laughs> be like, well, why not the slide? You're using it for everything else. It seems to be the only thing in this park. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. they have it at the slide. I mean, there are a lot of things this show does where I'm like, wow, it would be really weird if you did that because it wouldn't follow from earlier parts of the episode. And they're like, yep, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) That's Um, fair. That's very fair. (laughs) Just like how Garner is going to go undercover, even though he doesn't want to, um, because he doesn't like the lifeguard outfit and thinks Uh, it is too snug. But he also says, "Nah, I hate water. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but but mitch mitch guilts him mm-hmm. he, he he berates him for complaining and says don't you miss real cop work this is a stakeout and i'm like this is not a stakeout yeah like this is very much not the event that a stakeout describes this is you out in public near the people around a lot of other people pretending to be a lifeguard at a water park. It's not a stakeout. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the logic of this scene holds up about as well as the rest of it. Um, <laughs> this scene ends with Mitch saying that he's going to go try and find a larger bathing suit for Garner. Um, and then that doesn't matter because it never happens. Nope. Um, then we get... A scene where Craig and Shawnee go to talk to Captain Thorpe about the calendar, and he continues to be a fuckhead about it. Uh, Shawnee tries to explain what's going on and that she was tricked, but Thorpe is not interested. Uh, During this scene, a package delivery shows up for Captain Thorpe, and he signs for it. And it's very obvious that this is... Something that is going to be paid off later because they spend a long time focusing on this delivery guy. Um, ah, yes, the classic Deus Ex Pachyga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that's good. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is. Uh, um, next up. Uh, Hobie, Mitch, and Amanda, who is Hobie's teacher, uh, are having a conversation about how Hobie got into the fight. Wait, wait. Um, Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you kindly remind me, what was the name of the of the person that Hobie got into a fight with? Uh, uh, shit. It was, like, Jason, Jason Manischewitz, something like that? I told you three times. I told you yep. three times. Remember this name. It's very yeah. important. Okay, I will save this podcast because you apparently won't. His name was Jimmy Markowitz. Now, yes. Amanda, Hobie, and uh, Mitch all say in this scene, why did you get into a fight with Jerry Markowitz? And I'm like, his name is Jimmy. What the fuck? You said Jimmy earlier. Is it Jimmy or is it Jerry? Those are two different J names. They convey very different personalities. Jimmy wears like a suit jacket and like does card tricks. Jerry is just your normal dude who likes cars. They're two different people. They can't be the same person. What is this conspiracy? What happened to Jimmy? (laughs) 
So this is actually a recurring theme throughout the episode, because the first time Tad is introduced, he's actually referred to as Ted. No, he's referred to as Tad. Oh, maybe it's just Tad with a really weird accent. Maybe they maybe in my version, they dubbed over it. Maybe. Which they but they didn't catch, you know, this shimmery (laughs) slash Jeremy, you know, controversy. Wow. Jeremy (laughs) is just Jimmy and Jerry together. I never realized that. Yeah. Uh, uh, But yeah, uh, Jiminy Cricket here got into a fight. (laughs) With Hobie. Mr. Mr. Jamboree. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Jim Jim John uh, <laughs> called Mitch um, a beach bump. Sorry, what? Well, well, we're talking about J names. Um, have I okay. told you one of my favorite uh, names of one of my ancestors? Um, no. Who is from the Deep South and is, I believe, like a great, great, great grandfather or something like that. Um, his name is, and I swear to God, I am not making this up. My brother got really into Ancestry.com for a while and found this. Uh, Jim Bob Billy Bob. <laughs> Which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> Wait, does he have the same last name? Just Jim Bob Billy Bob Thrap? <laughs> no, uh, this is on, on my mother's side. Uh, oh. I've. It's it's also an equally good last name from but, that side, but I can't remember what it wait, is now because it's... Is that his full legal name? I believe... I mean, he has a last name after that, but... No, yeah. but like, but like, is Jim Bob hyphened and then Billy Bob hyphened? No, I believe it's four separate words. How do you fill out the form? At some point on the <laughs> form, you run out of space. Like, I you literally cannot write anymore unless you're just like Jim, Bob, Billy. Oh, God, I got to put this above <laughs> here and just put another Bob. But I have to, like, make the Bob go on top. So I have to write it upside down. And it's like you got to read from from the right and then go back to the left. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. I Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just going to call you Jim, Bob, Billy, Bob. Uh <laughs> Him and then on that same side of the family, but um, like in my grandfather's, my maternal grandfather's lineage, um, my, I believe it's great, great grandfather on that end is Pompilio Ponzi, which is also just peak Italian delightful old man name. God, where do I get it? All of my ancestors (laughs) are just like. Ilya and I'm like there's nothing funny about that there's just a dude named Ilya you got all the like Bambino Bombano hey (laughs) it's a me Pompilio Ponzi I'm making the schemes I'm making the best pizza Um, (laughs) which brings me to one of my favorite random wrestlers who Morgan actually does know about Uh, which is Luigi Primo, whose whole gimmick is I make it the best pizza. Uh, (laughs) And he, every tweet he does, which is I'm going to beat you up. I'm a best wrestler. I make a best pizza. And that's like (laughs) it. And I'm, he started selling merch, which is just a pizza box for 20 bucks that has him on it. Um, And then it has like a bunch of like weird MS paint icons on the side. And then you can get that same picture with, uh, a shirt but if you get a shirt it also comes with a pizza box which i'm just like this is genius level marketing right here yeah. um anyways uh <laughs> jim job 
Jim Jar. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. Called, <laughs> called Mitch uh, Pompilio Ponzi. Uh, a beach bum. Uh, and all he does is hang out, tan, and watch girls. And good old Michello over here is is like... That's not what I do. And uh, Hobie was like, yeah, but I was mad. Uh, and then I guess uh, the old JJ, uh, he he got his dad to tell Amanda, the teacher, to cancel the trip. Uh, and so she did. And that pisses Mitch off, who tells Hobie to leave. And he, he doesn't shout at Amanda. He does get very stern and is like, maybe you should have given me a chance. And it was like, I'm glad it didn't get more escalated there because it was the perfect amount of like, I can accept how upset he is, but it's also a weird thing to be upset about. Yeah, no, I would agree. It's it's weird how much um, it feels like Mitch needs to defend his reputation because like lifeguards, I don't feel like are like particularly like a career that people make fun of, especially often. Like I get that Jenny Annie da- dots like made fun of him to Hobie, but I mean, come on. <laughs> I bet that one got me really good. <laughs> oh, it's the cats references. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, man. And you know, Good old McCavity Buchanan over here. Uh, he's got to he's got to defend himself because lifeguards are a protected class. They save lives, mm-hmm. and if they're not going to save lives, uh, who else? Who else will? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. If if uh, Mitch hadn't broken every single human law, maybe lifeguards <laughs> made fun of so much. Well, he didn't break. There is one law he didn't break, and that's the classic Washington law of don't fuck a horse, Uh, (laughs) which for some reason I cannot stop bringing up, and I really wish I would stop. Uh, It's unbecoming of me. Um, (laughs) But other than that, McCavity is just a huge, huge villain, Um, Mm -hmm. unlike, unlike our friend Mitch. Who True. is, you know, standing up for the maligned and disenfranchised white lifeguards um, <laughs> all there. You know, what really makes them so maligned is that when they are born, they are dressed in mourning colors, you know, just mm. red. So everyone knows that they are special, but to stay away because they are God's chosen people. They are to mm-hmm. guide us and guard our lives. And that just means that everyone knows them and they're like... They call them weird lifeguard slurs, you know, yeah. like <laughs> beach bum or yeah. Pompelio Ponzi. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Bob, Billy Bob. <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone in L.A. just walks around and goes like, hey, you tight shorts. Ooh, that was good. I couldn't. I was trying to think. Of a good, like, lifeguard slur that doesn't also sound like a slur against other people, and I couldn't come up with anything. It's because the one my mind immediately went to, which I feel like could be a slur, but I know is not because it's so stupid, is ketchup packet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right? 
or just like Heinz ketchup. And it's yeah. like, ooh, ooh, John Kerry's going to be it. really mad about that one. Uh, a whole bunch of ketchup heads down on the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just tomato and sugar everywhere. Uh, or... Or you could just like go down them and uh, you start throwing mustard at them. <laughs> Ooh, that they they hate it when you throw mustard at them. They're firmly in the ketchup camp, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is another episode where uh, once again you can tell what our thoughts are about the quality of this episode. <laughs> How little time we've spent talking about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. To uh, to bring us back on track at least for a little bit. Um, next up, we get a scene where Tad goes into the women's locker room to uh, push Sarah around and yell at her about liking Eddie. Uh, mm-hmm. But luckily, Eddie shows up just in time to break it up, and they walk off together. Yep. Next, we've got the disciplinary hearing where Thorpe is presenting evidence of the fact that Shawnee is in a calendar and hands it to two different very creepy looking old men who spend a very long time staring at it. And it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig tells Thorpe, listen, we're willing to accept any punishment you give us, sir. Um, and Shawnee goes, we are? And Craig looks very smug, and Thorpe says that he's always fair and that any lifeguard on a calendar would get the boot. And at this point, I did write the rest of the scene out in my notes without having watched it. Um, Because Craig pulls out a picture of Thorpe on a calendar and then wins the case because he took the photo from a long ways away and tricked Thorpe into signing a release, which was the fake package delivery from earlier. You know, I, I think they could have made this better by taking a hint from the Torah. Uh, specifically, Morgan, do you know the story of Jacob and his wives? Uh, I know it very vaguely. Morgan, please tell me what you know. Um, I know that there's a guy named Jacob. Mm-hmm. And I know that he has wives. Ah, great. I see you're very astute <laughs> in the ways of the Torah. So what happens is Jacob goes and he's around some market and he sees this absolutely breathtakingly beautiful woman. Uh, and he finds out her name is Rachel. And he's like, I want to marry this woman. So he goes to her dad, Laban. And he says, I want to marry her. And he says, you will work for me for for like three years. Uh, and after the end of three years, if you're still here, you prove yourself worthy enough to marry my daughter. And he's like, sounds like a plan for me because I can get paid. I can have a career, yada, yada, like whatever. So he works for three years. Or maybe it's four or maybe it's seven. I totally forget. Uh, but it's a couple of years. And he works. And then finally, it's the day to marry Rachel. Uh, and they have the ceremony and he takes off the veil and it's her sister Leah instead. And he's like, haha, I've confused you. I've tricked you. It's her sister Leah. And he's like, okay, man, now work another four years and you can marry Rachel. What were you going to say? Old religious stories were a very specific and very weird kind of horny. And you know what? Respect. This gets better. Yeah, man, respect. Uh, it gets better. 
it gets much better. Ooh, I can't it's like, wait. Work, work another four years. You can marry, you can marry Leah, or marry Rachel. So it works, and this happens again. It's time for a wedding. Pulls off the hood. It's not Rachel. It's Leah's handmaid, Bilpa, uh, <laughs> which is a great name. Uh, and then he's like, I'm not going to be fooled again. Okay. Three or four years. I'm marrying Rachel. He's like, okay. Okay. You caught me. <laughs> four years. And you can marry Rachel. He's like, okay. Okay. Now, in this time, he had, I think it was five kids already with Leah. Uh, and two with Bilpa. Now, during this intermediary time, he also marries Rachel's handmaid, Zilpa. Uh, <laughs> not joking. Bilpa and Zilpa. Um, Wait, so is this where um, where the Star Wars prequels got it from? Where all of uh, fucking Padme's handmaidens have like the exact same fucking name? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyways. So, Bilpa and Zilpa, which I, they were my favorite, like, low-tier Torah characters when I was a kid. You know, you all have your rankings, like, you're Moses, and I was like, fuck Moses, Bilpa Zilpa, you know, (laughs) number number one, number two, tied. Um, So, he has all these kids, right? And then he finally gets to marry Rachel, the love of his life. Um, And he has two kids by her, and she dies in childbirth. Um and those are the uh, you know the sons of Jacob, the tribes of Israel, and that's how you get them. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they're just the people born of those four. Uh, and somehow, luckily enough, they didn't consider the children of Bilpa and Zilpa to be bastard children or like lesser. <laughs> uh, I know it's really fun to say. Um, I'm actually wondering if that is the name of them in English. Oh, uh, I guess they say it's Bilha. And Zil, wait, Bilha, Bilha and Zilpa, but I call That's her Bilpa. so much less fun. <laughs> I think it's, I, I'm going to call them Bilpa and Zilpa. Absolutely, uh, as you should. But, uh, but it is still Zilpa, and that is a fantastic <laughs> name. Um, but yeah, the tribes of Dan and Naphtali were from, uh, were from Bilha, and then the tribes of God and Asher were from Zilpa. Um, still tribes, but just like nobody wants to have a mom named Zilpa, except for me. I do. I yeah. want my mom to be Zilpa. Anyways, I think that's how they should have handled this scene. Take a little bit of a, a cue from there, you know, be like, you know, some fake outs here. Like they do have like what could barely be called a fake out. But what if they had like seven fake outs? Uh, what if this episode had 20 minutes of fake outs? Oh, man. This would be the the most Nathan Fielder-esque television show of all time and this would be considered a cult classic yeah i would i would watch that in a heartbeat yeah uh ultimately though instead what we get is we just get more fucking i hate thorpe so much yeah it's weird because like every once in a while he has a redeeming moment and then he's just a big old shithead just like just like a lot of boomers yeah very true Mm -hmm. um I will say, though, I actually do like the rest of this scene, which is that Craig gives Shawnee an envelope that has a thousand bucks in it, which is her commission from the photo that Sports Illustrated just, you know, forgot to send her 
it's not Sports Illustrated, but it's like something lesser, you know? No, I, I think they literally say Sports Illustrated. I think they say like Sports Weekly or something. Oh, okay. They don't say Sports Illustrated because I think that would be one like, like that would be like all of a sudden someone being like, I took a random picture of you and then leaked it to Maxim. And you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Also, like, how? You got Maxim? Or like, you got Sports <laughs> Illustrated? I don't think it's supposed to be that. I think it's just supposed to be like some random calendar on the beach or something. I don't know. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, But yeah, when Shawnee gets the money, she says she's going to go buy every copy of the calendar she can find. And Craig says, oh, to have a bonfire. She goes... No, I'm going to send them to all of my friends, which I was like, fuck yeah, Shawnee. That's like, awesome. It's I so awesome. I love that. Um, and it's why this plot line has any redeeming qualities whatsoever. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's not about the journey. It's about the goal. Yeah. But it could have been about the journey and I would have hated it less. You know what else? You know what else is about the goal? <sighs> this next scene. John Madden. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, Joe Madden. I mean, The Watcher. It's time for Garner and Court to go score a touchdown. Um, <laughs> which I mean that they're on stakeout and they see Mr. Madden on the same slide that his kid jumped from. And it's supposed to be shut down and no one should be up there. Um, mm -hmm. And Court goes up the slide and talks to Madden, and then Court tells him sabotaging the slide wasn't cool. Um, and then Madden's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't sabotage <laughs> the slide. Um, and then he has a really long and really bad monologue about how he yelled at his son, and then his son committed suicide, but he doesn't actually blame the park, because if my son wanted to die, he would have picked a place anyway. He would have jumped off a bridge over the overpass or found another way to do it. It's very much read in the way your dad read you green eggs and ham. <laughs> <laughs> That's just 100% what it is. And yeah. it's it's... I, I, we cannot emphasize just how bad of an actor this guy is. Everything is like totally off in the way yeah. he says things, yeah, especially from line to line. Yeah. And it's it's just not enjoyable. Yeah. And like I, I there were parts of this before this monologue where I was willing to give him a little bit of slack because like, you know, everyone processes grief differently and like mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. he's just, you know, making some weird character choices to reflect the way his character feels about, you know, his son having committed suicide. But like, woof, this monologue, <laughs> like <laughs> I had a hard time giving him the benefit of the doubt after this. Yeah. But yeah, next we've got a really brief scene where Amanda shows up to Mitch's office to apologize for canceling the field trip and says... But importantly, importantly, she shows up in the office and she's simping for Mitch. Oh, like She's simping yeah. hard. She pulls up a picture, or she uh, there's a picture on Mitch's desk of him and Hobie, and she is smiling so hard at that. And in the moment Mitch comes in, she's like, well, what? <laughs> uh, and then, like, puts it down. And she, uh, she is thirsty and good for her. The, Hell yeah. She's a babe. Mitch is a babe. I mean, just yeah. some babes. Yeah. She she says she's sorry about having to cancel the field trip and she wants to uh, see if she can make it work. And Mitch says, sure. And she's like, how about we talk about it 
over dinner and Mitch like looks shocked and then is like, yes, absolutely. Let's do that. Um, and it's, it's cute. cute. Yeah. yeah, it's I like I like this plot line. I think it's good. I do. It's it's especially great coming right after the scene, which I mean, the same scene <laughs> where he says, I've been stereotyped all of my professional life. And that's ironic because that stereotype comes from this TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally the stereotype about your job in real life comes from the television show you are starring in in its first season. Yeah, um, man, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, uh, but like I, I, I very much ship this. Like I am, I, I'm very excited about their date. Totally. Next up, we've got one of our last scenes, which is that we see Tad and Sarah fighting on top of one of the slides. I think not the suicide slide. Um, no, it's all the same slide. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, it's a water slide. It, they all look generic. Um, but they're fighting because uh, the episode's almost over. I mean, sorry, because Tad was the saboteur all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eddie and Tad have a really weird chase scene. Um, where This scene is... I gotta point out the music here. Yes. Uh, I specifically... <laughs> this This scene... How would I best describe it in a way that would make the most sense to our listeners? In a reference that every single person, every single person listening would just immediately recognize and say, yes, Michael. Mm -hmm. With those few words, I instantly get the feeling and sound you are trying to convey. Well, I've thought about it, Morgan. And here's what I come up with. Yes, Michael. The music for this scene sounds like someone stole Depeche Mode's PPG Wave and Audio Synclaver from the Construction Time Again album <laughs> and then like threw it into a wall. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that universal thing that I definitely know what you're talking about. Everyone knows about the Audio Synclaver and the PPG Wave. I mean, mm -hmm. we got rid of the PPG Wave after the Yamaha DX7 decided to be used more by electronic bands. But the Audio Synclaver, just like people stuck with that then because those samples were cool. But Construction Time, again, is not really the most loved Depeche Mode album. So, I mean, they went on to do better stuff. Like, not this scene, because there's better <laughs> stuff in this scene. Like, the last scene in this episode. But let's stick on this scene, because yeah. we got to describe it. There is one part of this scene that I fucking love, um, which is after Tad has escaped down the slide and Eddie's chasing him, Court and Eddie catch up to him, and Tad starts running up a water slide, which in and of itself is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then Eddie decides to take the stairs, and Court decides to follow him up the water slide. But because it's an active water slide... There are still people going down the water slide <laughs> yes. because no yeah. one has bothered to tell the people up top, hey, there's a weird chase scene going on. <laughs> so you just like it's already not very fast or exciting because it's the two of them trying to like scale up a water slide. But every so often they have to just like freeze while a person goes down the water slide <laughs> through their legs seemingly doesn't give a shit about whatever else is going on and you they're just, all wilhelm screaming yeah, yeah just like super adr you just hear Wee! 
There's people who are like sailing through Court and Tad's legs. And wow. They play the same clip of Court and Tad like going over to one side to get out of the way like three times. Um, and it's so it's so dumb, but it's so funny. I love it. I also laughed very hard at this and yeah. I actually repeated this part uh twice because I was like, I love this. This is stupid. Give me more. Yeah. And under all of this is this like super tense, dramatic, intense thrillery music. And it's like, no, this needs like fucking yakety sacks. Like Well that's that's what you get when you decide to steal the Bashmouth PPG wave and audio synclavier from Construction Time Again, the album. Yeah, that's exactly. What happens. You know, mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> but Garner is able to grab Tad and yep. save the day, I guess. Who knows? We never see any more about them because it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we're on our final scene, which is a date scene between Mitch and Amanda. Um, and while this episode may not have had any cars in it, it does have one thing that I get to be nerdy about which is the wine that gets ordered later. (laughs) Uh, So the two of them are at a nice beachside restaurant, and Amanda's like, oh, you must come here often. This is a nice table. Sure, they love you. And Mitch is like, nope, actually, the waiter is my employee, so I make him (laughs) give me a good table, which it's played as a joke, and I think it is, but it is, you know, a little... mm. Um, But then just as they get their menus... Uh, Mitch notices a woman jumping up and down on the beach and pointing out in the water and there's someone drowning out there. So Mitch goes off to save the person. Uh, but before he does, he tells Amanda, order a nice wine, something dry. Get it? Because he's going in the water, which is wet. So he wants a dry wine, which is very funny. Just, uh, I'm staying silent. Because I actually found this scene hilarious. So (laughs) (laughs) that's why I'm staying sound over here. (laughs) It was just such an obvious joke. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's not the part I found funny. The part I found funny was the way he runs out to the beach and then, like, takes off his shoes and runs into the water. It's very much, it's very, um, Charlie Chaplin-esque. It's yeah. just very vaudeville, and I, I very much loved it, because it's just this, like, tight shot for a while, and then she gets her wine, mm-hmm. and he comes back, jumps up over, like, a guardrail, sits back down. Uh, he's just soaping wet, or sopping wet. Soaping and sopping <laughs> wet. Uh, and, and I just think, I thought it was very actually well done and funny. Yeah. No, my my only two complaints about this scene are one that I only. <laughs> they're both they're both one is minor one is less so my minor complaint is that i think what is less than minor <laughs> minor no, means like, less like less less so like it's not as minor like oh, it's, oh. it's a bigger complaint so oh, my so my major minor complaint is the something dry line which i think is dumb um and then my <laughs> my much bigger complaint about this scene that i mean really just almost ruins the entire show for me uh, mm-hmm, to the point mm-hmm. where i almost can't watch it uh of course, is that of course. is that 
you know, Mitch tells Amanda to order a dry wine and she orders a Chardonnay, which is actually an off dry wine. Um, and Mitch mm. is totally fine with this. And really, I mean, just like, how am I supposed to believe anything on this show after that? Uh, look, I mean, <laughs> this all makes a lot more sense when you remember that this is actually a failed uh, failed script for a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> uh, and none of this actually matters, nor is canon. True. And as everyone knows, Doctor Who is famously bad about identifying subgenres of wine. Well... Um, no, well, I I mean, he's not, he's not necessarily much of a drinker, but, uh, you know, he's, um, you know, actually given all of his time, he's probably pretty good at it, but I feel like he spends enough time with various bits of British royalty that he would at least have like enough knowledge of like fancy snobby wine language that he could fit in with them. You know what I mean? Well, what you don't understand is he's never drinking with them. Like, okay, a little Doctor Who lesson. A lot of the times what he does when he's around, like, hoity-toity British people is, uh, for example, one time he's around a hoity-toity British person, and he gets very upset that they called, like, security to basically uh, call a hit on somebody. That he decides mm-hmm. to ruin their entire career by turning to like a group of people and just saying, doesn't she look tired? And they all immediately are like, huh. And they or they vote her out like on the next election cycle because he's just like incredibly manipulative. Like he every single time he's around royalty, he's like, I fucking hate them. I'm going to ruin their lives, uh, which I like mean, power to him. Yeah. Fuck the monarchy. So like, yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> so speaking of the monarchy, but not really, Morgan, <laughs> would you would you like to know what happens in the next episode? Please. Now, we should add that our next episode is also another guest episode. We will be having a very special guest uh, on the episode. Uh, But our next episode is called Snake Eyes. Mm -hmm. And first, let's start with the Baywatch wiki description, which is an illegal offshore casino causes problems for Court and some of his fellow lifeguards. Hobie thinks his English class is going to be a breeze when Mitch starts dating his teacher, but soon learns otherwise. Now, the INDB description. Eddie is drawn into gambling after Court takes him to an illegal offshore casino. And after a few nights of bad luck, Eddie finds himself in $3,000 of debt. But when Court discovers a place to be rigged with loaded dice and marked cards, he, Craig, and Eddie conspired to beat the gamblers at their own game. Meanwhile, Hobie thinks he can slack off after his teacher, Amanda Keller, and Mitch begin dating but he soon finds out otherwise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, uh, I don't know if it's going to be an interesting episode, but it's going to be an episode. I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like there's some potential here, you know? Yeah. Big, big casino heist could be fun. Right. But before we forget, Morgan, we, which we did forget, episode rating, uh, scale oh, yeah. of one to 10, as always, a one is you're walking on a beach. There's some twigs there in the sand. There's maybe some like bottle caps, maybe some like, you know, just sh- sh- glass, broken glass everywhere. And each step brings more of those just sinking into your feet. And, uh, a 10 is, uh, sniffing Mitch's six pack. Um, or actually I guess it's an eight pack. Yeah. Uh, where would you rate this? I wish I could remember what I rated last episode. 
because I would say this is one higher than that. So I think I gave last week a three, and I'm going to give this a four, um, which I'm going to call the ability to teleport, but only to a slightly more inconvenient location and only when the (laughs) plot demands it. (laughs) How about you? So I'm torn. I had fun with the episode, uh, personally. Yeah. Um, Just because I think it's so stupidly wacky. It's just like the idea of watching these people at a water park and then like the all of the water park montages are just really stupid to watch in like for me in a fun way. And then the bad acting uh, and then like the Amanda stuff is, I guess, interesting. And there's just some it's slightly fun, like on a fun scale. I'll give it like a six and a half, maybe a seven. Yeah. But for episode quality, uh, I'm going to rate it lower than you. Uh, wow. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. Uh, just because there's just so much bad stuff in this episode. Thorpe is just the fucking worst, uh, and it wasn't necessary. The main villain plot was, like, what was the point? Um, Eddie is just... sucks. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's a reason why we had to talk about so much else other than the episode for this episode. (laughs) I would say uh, a three is probably... um, It's probably the rating I would give to Depeche Mode's album before construction time again called A Broken Frame. Uh, that was right after Speak and Spell. You know, the Speak and Spell, they were really like, I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. And then Vince Clark left the band to form Erasure. And then Erasure was just like, wait, wow, let's just, what? Wait, really? Erasure you know has that? its roots in Depeche Mode? So Vince, Cl- so, okay, let's talk about what? Erasure first. Okay, so Erasure is two guys. Vince Clark and Andy Bell. Andy Bell being like the world's just most fantastic, like gay icon possible. Uh, and then Vince Clark, who is just this really, really, really stout looking man who looks like he should be in Peaky Blinders. Uh, <laughs> and Vince Clark originally was uh, the like the original keyboardist for De- I mean they were all keyboardists but for Depeche Mode and he knew all of them and he wrote most of the songs on Depeche Mode's first album um, so he wrote like Just Can't Get Enough and other stuff like that and mm-hmm. then afterwards he was just like yeah no like I I I don't want to or like he's like I want to try other things so he then formed this band called Yazoo or Yaz uh, with <laughs> Alison Moyet and then they did an album and then she was like, uh, 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 I'm done. And so he was like, okay, well, I'm going to form this band with Andy Bell called Erasure. Uh, so Erasure and Depeche Mode were on the same label and they, you know, they were still always really good friends, but you know, they never collaborated again. Uh, but that's how, Era- that's how Erasure was born was, oh, oh I, I got the money for Erasure by having a big hit album with Depeche Mode. Um, gotcha. So once Vince Clark left, they were like, well, he was kind of the driving force behind our sound. Uh, so now our, our guy, Martin Gore, who's just really into like S and M sex play, um, is going <laughs> to write our music. And he's like, what if I wrote a song called shouldn't have done that <laughs> or, uh, my secret garden or nothing to fear. Um, and so they just got like really I like to call it dark synth pop. Yeah. Dark because compared to songs that are like 
have lyrics like I take pictures, photographic pictures. Um, <laughs> you know, you have things that are much, uh, much darker. And then Construction Time Again comes along and they write a song called Pimp, which is just all <laughs> the Pimp is just a giant. Uh, uh, it's. It's supposed to be instrumental dirge in the vein of uh, Nazi war marches. Um, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love Depeche Mode. I just can tell you, like, I, I, I need to get more I, into Depeche Mode. I own two whole nine hundred page separate autobiographies. Holy shit! Uh, I I own every Depeche Mode album. I'm physical. Uh, they were the first band I ever got really into, and huh. I've heard and listened to literally every Depeche Mode song there is, even the ones that aren't released. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, uh, I'm the person to talk to. Okay. I will gladly get you into Depeche Mode. Anyways, yes, I would r- r- go bringing it back. A three is what I would give to a broken <laughs> frame. Now, obviously, a construction time again rating would be a little bit different because that's when the PBG wave and audio synclavier were used. And everyone knows that that's just the greatest, mm-hmm. um, especially Tad, Tad Ghostal. Uh, that's all of our references we made this episode. Bye, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Do you ever think that sometime in the future of this show, uh, Tad and Todd are going to team up? <gasps> oh, what? Okay. Okay. <laughs> what if? Uh, this is planning. I mean, we have to wait seven seasons to get the payoff. But mm-hmm. what if? What if the plot is Todd comes back? Mm-hmm. He married Jenny. But mm-hmm. after a while, he's just like, this isn't. This isn't for me anymore. I just, I'm tired of Jenny. She's never gives me space. Hobie was right all of those years ago, 10, however many years ago, when he left her at that beach. And I was, I was such a fool. So he goes to a bar and he's just drinking and saying, I'm such a fool. And then Tad sits down and goes, I'm such a <laughs> fool. Sarah was my one true love. And Eddie had to steal away from me. Uh, and he goes, Eddie, sounds like a dick bag. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, I, I have a dick bag of my own. His name is Hobie. And he's like, yeah. And they both say at the same time, <laughs> he was a lifeguard. And they're like, he was a lifeguard. And that's when they start planning. They start planning to take down the lifeguards from the inside. So yeah. Tad and Todd decide, what if we become late age lifeguards they go under disguise <laughs> they get reconstructive facial surgery because mitch knows and mm-hmm. hobie knows i don't know about eddie but mitch knows and hobie knows they'll remember those faces from anywhere i guess yeah. uh and so they go undercover to try and take them down and that's when mitch and hobie have to team up to save the day for the sake of the world, for the sake of all lives, all lives that have to be guarded by the lifeguards, they must stop these villainous v- villains. <laughs> <laughs> Venomous villains. Venomous villains. The movie is called Taid, and it's T, and then that <laughs> symbol that's A and E merged together, and then the letter D. Mm, yes, I love it, but there's actually three d's at the end (laughs) just to tell you how much darkness and other words that 
have a D in it, uh, <laughs> like vitamins. Because <laughs> we're on the beach and there's lots of sun. Where Where is this going? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this, this episode oh. has me so loopy because it was such a, like, high-energy, dumb episode. Yeah. Um, both the Baywatch episode and, if we're being honest, this episode of the podcast. Um, <laughs> this episode of the podcast, y'all, has really thrown me for a loop. And I love it. But at the same time, like, I don't know how I'll ever be able to, like, do anything tomorrow. Because <laughs> I'll just be living the high of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Michael, any any final thoughts on this episode? Two out of ten could have used more of the Watcher. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Uh, I'm excited for next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess in that case, all that's left to say is thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrapp. And I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Ew. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man.